Welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got to start with, of course, the big news on Friday, the happy news on Friday. Big surprise was the January jobs report, and we're starting the year on a pretty good footing. <laughs> I mean, the report was not supposed to be good at all, and it exceeded expectations. So going into Friday, we talked about it here on the podcast, we had got the ADP report that came out on Wednesday of last week, and it showed the economy lost 300,000 jobs. Everyone said Omicron's a problem. This report's not going to be very good. And economists were projecting 150,000 jobs created. So they weren't projecting a number as bad as the ADP report. But once that came out, everyone said, okay, maybe that 150,000 is a little too rosy. It may be negative. I think the worst number I saw was 400,000 lost. And let's just say conventional wisdom was this was going to be a bad report. And so drum roll, 8.30, Friday morning, we get 467,000 jobs created, not lost, created in the month of January. Like I said, a great way to start the new year. The biggest growth continues to be in leisure and hospitality with 151,000 jobs created in January, followed by professional services. They saw the second biggest jump at 86,000, followed by retail created 61,000 and transportation and warehousing was up 54,000 for the month. And here's, I mean, it's kind of good news. Wage growth continues The bad news, it is not keeping up with inflation. Average hourly earnings were up 5.6% year over year to $31.63. Average weekly earnings were only up 4.1% to $1,091.24. Inflation continues to outpace wages. If we're using December's PCE index, which is important because that's the one the Fed uses. A lot of people point to CPI, which we're actually going to get this week, but the Fed uses PCE. That is their gold standard, and it had it up. Inflation was up 5.8% in December. So even looking at the best, which is hourly earnings, you're still behind by two-tenths of a percentage point, which means people are losing money. Even though their wages are going up, they are behind the eight ball unfortunately. Now let's get back to the good news. So that was some of the bad news. Let's get back to the good news. December and November's jobs report saw a huge revision. Job growth was actually over a million for those two months compared to the 400,000 that was previously reported. So I think November, it was like 210,000. December was under 200,000, like 199. But actually that number was 700,000 more jobs. Now it should be noted I think there was also a big revision for June and July. So there's something going on with the way this data is being collected. I'm not sure what is causing these problems, but I mean, it's, 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 it's a problem because we rely on this data. And when I say we, I mean, I should say, you know, people that make decisions, not me, <laughs> but the people in power who are making decisions, trying to figure out, you know, where unemployment is, uh, you know, are we at full employment? And so this data needs to be accurate. And the fact that we're this off, 
you know, these reports come out, it's kind of like, well, we got to wait for the revision to know where things actually are. So after the report came out, the attention seemed to shift to the impact that this is going to have on the Fed's rate decision in March. Connor Sen from Bloomberg tweeted, quote, the path to get a 50 basis point rate hike is a hot CPI report. Fed speak would be signaling that 50 basis points is on the table. Markets have to try to price that scenario. Neil Irwin from Axios tweeted the jobs report is a big old green light for Fed tightening to say the least. Now, there's two schools of thought on this. One is that the Fed would be making it much clearer that they're going to do a 50 basis point hike. If there's one thing we know about Jerome Powell and him sort of at the helm of the Fed is that they make it very clear what they're going to do. And he has not made that clear. In fact, I think one of the Fed chairs had said something about a 50 basis point hike and then kind of pulled that those comments back. And so some people are saying, hey, listen, Jerome Powell's going to let us know and we're not hearing anything. And then others say, well, Powell said, listen, these are not normal times. Big decisions and things that we wouldn't normally do, we might have to do. And so some are saying, hey, that's that's him laying the groundwork for maybe something surprising. And now, Connor Sen mentioned the CPI. The Fed uses PCE, like I said, but if the CPI report comes in at incredibly hot and PCE to some extent backs that up, I think you're going to see a lot of pressure. And then, of course, we have the Bank of England last week. They're now... Uh, their their borrowing rate has been increased to a half a percent. And I think it does put pressure on Jerome Powell. But I think other people are, are right in that Powell does usually let us know. So we'll see if he starts making any signals for a possible 50 basis point hike in March. But here's the good news. A good jobs report, assuming there, there's no revisions <laughs> next month. That's the only... That's the only possible downside with these these big revisions. However, I will say for the most part, revisions tend to move in positive territory. And speaking of moving in positive territory, let's talk about another great report. This one from Adam Data Solutions looking at the fourth quarter and looking at mortgage properties and a very important definition, and that is who and how many people are equity rich. And according to this Adam Data Solutions report, over 40% of properties are now considered equity rich. In the fourth quarter of 2021, 41.9% of mortgaged residential property loan balances were no more, and this is the definition of equity rich, no more than 50% of their estimated market values meaning that someone has more than 50% of equity in the home they either live in or you know they're renting out or whatever it may be, but they have a mortgage on it, over 50% of the value exists in that home. That's equity rich. And 41.9% of mortgage properties fall into that category. This is up from 39.5% in Q3. I mean, that's... I mean, a two percentage point increase in one quarter. And this is well up from Q4 2020 when that number was just 30.2%. So as we have talked about many a times here on the podcast, people out there have a lot of equity in their homes. 
There is no doubt about that. And the good news, we have not seen a gigantic swing towards people doing cash out refis. People are holding on to that equity. And so they're not trying to cash in, you know, get, you know, get their lotto ticket and thinking that, oh, no, the market's going to crash or something along those lines. They're holding on to it. They don't need the money, which is a good sign for the economy. If everyone was rushing to do cash out refis, it could be a sign that people have, have reached sort of the end of their financial rope and that they're not having to tap their home's equity. And we're not seeing that yet. Does that, am I saying it's not going to happen? I don't know. But we have not seen that yet. Now, in even better news, just 3.1% of mortgaged homes are now considered seriously underwater in the fourth quarter. This is down from 3.4% in Q3 and down from 5.4% in Q4 of 2020. Now, the West still has the largest share of equity-rich homeowners with four of the five top states. And which state do you think is leading the way? I'll be honest. I was like, oh, it's got to be California because just how much homes are there. And I assume a lot of people bought those homes a while ago. Idaho leads the way. 66.7% of mortgage homes are equity-rich, followed by Vermont at 64.8%, Utah at 62.5%, Washington 58.6%, and Arizona 57.6%. Those are some pretty good stats, not going to lie. Now, on the other side, which state do you think is the worst or has the least amount of equity-rich homes? Illinois at 22.5%, followed by Alaska at 23.9%, Wyoming 24.5%, and then Mississippi at 263 But what's funny is that Illinois, you know, worst, I'm sorry, it's Illinois and Louisiana. I apologize. Illinois and Louisiana, but they're still 22.5%. <laughs> That's still almost a quarter of all of mortgage properties in Illinois and Louisiana are people who are equity rich. So things are pretty good. Uh, 12 of the 15 states with the lowest percentage of equity, which properties in the fourth quarter were in the Midwest and South. However, Southern states also saw some of the biggest improvements across the country. Tennessee saw the most improvement with a 5.8 percentage point jump in the third quarter, followed by North Carolina uh, and then Nevada also were on that list as well. So even though, Unfortunately, the South does have still a higher or a lower percentage of equity rich homeowners. Uh, they are seeing a lot of improvement and seeing what's happened. Someone that lives in the South and seeing what's happening. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> You'd see that number jump up. Todd Teda, the chief product officer with Adam noted that this is great for homeowners, but it's also an indication that the boom could be coming to an end, saying, quote, as home prices kept rising, so did the equity built up in residential properties to the point where close to half of all mortgage payers around the country found themselves in equity-rich territory. No doubt there are market metrics that pose warnings about how long the boom can last and equity can keep improving. We keep watching those closely, but for now, homeowners are sitting pretty as the wealth they have tucked away in their homes keeps growing. And I will say, I have noticed that a lot of these press releases and statements from these companies, these are companies that are gathering data on real estate. A lot of these people, a lot of them are economists too, have noted that they're not concerned yet, but they are kind of starting to maybe raise some flags because 
they thought that at this point we were going to be seeing a slowdown. And remember, things started slowing down at the end of last year. We saw a little bit of a dip with regards to price, home price growth, and then it kind of went back up. And now we've seen inventories fall and people are worried about mortgage rates going up. So now people are jumping and saying, I got to buy now. And so this slowdown never happened. And so people, once again, people aren't worried. And that's what you know Todd Teta is, is saying here. He's not worried, but they're starting to think about being worried, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, and Jerome Powell won't say, hey, we're going to raise rates. He says, you know, we're thinking about thinking about raising rates. And so I've seen that. That's kind of a common theme that I've seen where they're saying, hey, listen, we're not concerned. Everything's good. Everything's on solid footing. But we would like to see some sort of normalization start creeping in. Like this has been going on for a while and we would like to see some normalization, some cooling off take place and so no one's raising the red flags i'm just saying that people are starting to raise a flag about possible raising red flags if that uh makes any sense but i have noticed that uh, a couple times here all right it's kind of an interesting week with regards to what's going to be happening with regards to some of the data that we are going to be getting this week so today not a lot really nothing going on we got some consumer credit data we're going to be getting later this afternoon on tuesday we're getting balanced trade we'll look at what's happening with our trade deficit that's at 8 30 at 10 a.m economic optimism what people are thinking about with regards to the economy wednesday as always we got mortgage demand and rates as well as some data on the federal budget how Big is the budget deficit for the month. We will know. And then Thursday's a big day. Thursday's a big day. Consumer price index. We talked about that earlier. If that report comes in smoking hot, then yeah, I think you may start hearing pal start dropping the hints that we could see a 50 basis point rate hike in March. So that's out at 8.30 along with initial jobless claims. And then of course, mortgage rates from Freddie Mac. Then Friday, we got inflation expectations, which... Makes sense coming after the consumer price <laughs> index. So it's not a ton of data, not a lot, but we'll get to it all this week here on Markets and Mortgages. You guys enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs> 